Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. All right, this is crazy. I got on my app perfect sunshine and 63 degrees next Monday. Downtown yeah, Chicago. That's what I th- okay. Perfect yeah. sunshine, not a cloud in the sky in 63. Day off. Hold on a second. Let me check the. <laughs> You can't check. have it. You just called it, so you can't check have it. Check the UV on that. See if I can get my Swedish call body. They call him a weather dad. Yeah, but here's the here's the beautiful thing about this. Doppler radar says oh, it's what crystal does Doppler clear. Say? UV. Oh, here's boy. what's great for me, the Swede boy here, yeah. the Swedish dude. Yeah, only three. That's perfect. You can go out walking, playing. I might even jump a little bit. Oh, oh, yeah, that's it. Oh, beautiful. Here you go. Good job, man. And I'll say. Winter's over, everybody. Don't be doing that, dude. <laughs> I'm just warning you right now. Allie's warning you. <laughs> Little oh, darling. It feels like Here comes the sun. That was Allie with background vocals That's there. Right. Absolutely. Way in the back. Way, <laughs> Way. <laughs> Way back. What do you think, Allie, about this weather? Well, I'm just delighted at how much you're enjoying weather forecasting. Oh, I love weather. It's a dad thing. It's a weather dad <laughs> thing. You and my dad have that in common. You get pumped to pull out the radar. I love it. I absolutely oh, love it. You know when I can tell weather the best? When I have my Doppler Crocs on. Yes. I'm dialed in. I feel like <laughs> I am one with God's creation. It's like major what? weather changes, whether it's going from snow to warm, whether snowstorms coming. Any kind of front, any kind of major weather shift gets certain people excited, and many of them happen to be dads. And we've confirmed this on the show. There are some weather moms out there, too. Oh, there are. But there are many, many weather dads who really, really enjoy announcing, analyzing, showing off Doppler radar. Yep. Got to have it's it. It's just a thing. Texting those he knows what the weather's going to be. It's <laughs> just Which he has done for us. Yes, written a has. note to myself to check the weather and to pass it along to my kids mm. right now. Uh, you, yeah. Every weather dad has to do it. Oh, yeah. No, you got to do that. I want them to know. They need to know. They like need your dad to know. Said. They need when, to when know. When I had your dad on the phone, the best line he said is they need to know. They need to they know. Need to know. We, so don't, good. We, we don't have weather apps. We rely on our dad. Amen. There you go. Finally. <laughs> the recognition. Okay, coming up here, guys. Um, now, we got a lot of ground to cover here today. Uh, we're going to be talking about core training all week long. Um, actually, we're going to really drill down. There's – all right, let me give you a heads up what's coming here at 6.30. 6.30, we're going to be looking at Titus 2, 11, and 12, and we love to look at that because it's probably, to me, the best definition of the power of God's grace in the entire New Testament. Honestly, as far as the definition of what it can do for you, phew, so it'll save you and it will train you, bottom line. And we're going we're gonna to retrace these tracks because we don't want to presume. A lot of you are new to the crew and you haven't listened here much, but we're here to help you take your next step with Jesus. And man, we're after it. Why? Because we're on the same path. 
And the last thing we want to do is get stalled. Allie sees me stalled. She says, come on, Carl. Get going. <laughs> no, we don't want to see each other stalled out on this path. Not we want at to all. keep walking with yeah. Jesus. And here's the beauty. Look, the challenges are going to come no matter what. Have you ever noticed that? We live in a broken world. Sometimes life is going to just straight up stink. Just stink. And I've never met a person who's able to avoid it. Never. Sometimes it, it, it happens, and it happens to all of us. But the cool thing is, is when you, when you can rise above it. Boy, that's the stuff. And that's what we want to do here. So here's where we're going to go today, because we're going to talk about core training. And by the way, what a great week to do it on. Here comes the sun. Get those abs going. Yeah, it feels good, <laughs> right? Get moving. Yeah, man. I agree. Um, it's, just, it's just awesome. By the way, uh, Daniel Gill, remember our Mr. Oh, the ninja? I was listening a ninja little bit warrior, to yeah. Ninja Previous Warrior, dude. interview yesterday. We're bringing him to town. 180 Chicago. Oh, that's great. And we're going to have an event. All I'm going to tell you right now is we're going to have an event open to everyone. And we're going to go to a ninja gym. And it's going to be a huge venue. And he's going to talk not only about physical fitness, but spiritual fitness. Oh, that sounds great. And he's going to peel paint, let me tell you. So we're going to be putting that on, and we're going to be inviting everyone in the crew. We all fired up about that. I'm totally hearing about it, but I love it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So... Um, so listen, bottom of the hour, we're going to, there's really, when you think about training and you think about core training, we knew we wanted to do this week, but it dawned on me over the weekend, let's not reinvent the wheel. So I went straight to Titus two and I'm like, what do we have here? We got three powerful things and it mirrors very much Paul's teachings because it talks about what to take off, what to put on. Notice in Ephesians and in Colossians, he says, Take off, put on. It's almost how you get dressed in the morning. Um, boy, there's some cool stuff that we're going to find in Titus too. So hang on, that's the bottom of the hour. But coming up here in a little bit, do you remember a little thing called the Asbury Revival? I do. I was oh, there. That's right. And it was epic. What if I told you it's not gone away? that the ripple effects are still being felt. We got a unique piece for you coming up here in the next few minutes, guys. Hang on. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. It's a great little piece by CBN that gives a report of a year after. What's going on? Asbury Revival. A lot of us, I mean, because of the way life goes, some of us are like, yeah, what's going on with Asbury? And... One of the things Young Thunder was telling me this morning, he said our week in Asbury was one of the most downloaded, replayed weeks of broadcast we've ever had. Yeah, and I think it's fair because there was a movement of the Holy Spirit going on, and not all of us had an opportunity to really see firsthand, but Carl, you got to go down there and broadcast, and it was amazing. It was overwhelming, guys. And you know what? It wasn't overwhelming in a weird way. It was solid. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, yes, this is solid. Take a listen, CBN, CBN special. Enjoy. The small town of Wilmore, Kentucky, had not seen an outpouring of this magnitude in more than 50 years. 
For 16 days and nights, students and others worshiped and experienced the presence of God. What began as student-led prayer at a scheduled chapel service February 8th led to something extraordinary. Asbury President Dr. Kevin Brown says there's still a feeling of expectancy in the air, even a year later. Our students continue to be hungry. They continue to lead. They've gone and they've shared. We've had over 50 groups go to different ministries and churches, both in the United States and overseas. This is Hughes Auditorium here at Asbury, where for more than two weeks, the Holy Spirit showed up in such a way that it drew not only students, but people from around the world, hungry for a taste of His glory. God turned my world technicolor. And I don't know how else to describe it, but prayer came alive. I mean, I saw, I saw physical healing, cancer be removed. I saw like physically cancer off somebody's neck be removed. I saw emotional healing, relational healing. There were two other girls and now my boyfriend. And we spent literally every waking moment. We did not sleep and we stayed there for two weeks. It was an overwhelming glimpse of just God, you know, like His goodness, His mercy, His grace, His firmness. It was a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like when we get to just reign and dwell with God forever. Oh my word, yeah. I hadn't, I don't think I'd ever experienced that type of love from God before. Like I thought 100% like this is, like I've done too many things, I've messed up too many times, like I'm too far gone. Like I thought all of those things and yet God met me with such grace and compassion. I knew we were encountering something, but it was like halfway through the weekend when I was like, this is really special. Pastor and resident Zach Merkreeves was the one preaching that day and admits it took some time to realize the extent of what was happening and says it's still in the air a year later. The temperature on campus is unbelievable. But what's exciting is they're, they're longing for authentic, long-term steps, not just like 16 days of power. And they're wanting to pursue holiness. They want to be done with porn. They want to be done with uh, addiction to their phones. They want to be done with those kind of things. They want to really have authentic walk with the Lord. And what's amazing is that's happening here. Another result happened when the original Asbury House, built in 1850, became a prayer room for students. I think one thing that the outpouring did, it took down a lot of walls that maybe we have about who God is like before the outpouring. I was not student body president at that time, but our student government and even our administration did a wonderful job of making sure that us as students felt like this was our home and felt that we were safe. What's more, enrollment is up about 25% after 2023 saw the largest incoming freshman class in 25 years. It was a significant spike in our students and our enrollment looks strong for the upcoming year as well. So we're really excited about that. And they, the revival did the marketing for you. It really did. The revival that started here last February didn't stay here at Asbury. What do you think the, the span is? Can you even measure the span of this revival? On one hand, yes, we can talk about Students went here, here are the numbers, here's the social media feed. I'm more interested in the long-term influence of what we're seeing with this generation. Do you think it's gonna come back here? 
I don't know, uh, but I will say if it does, it won't be because we plan it. Uh, it will. It will be because that's what the Lord chooses to do. Brown says you can't put revival in a bottle. I think that we would try to recreate it. That's what we do. That's what humans do. Brown adds that from his perspective, a key generation found itself at the center of revival. During those 16 days, there was always Gen Z represented at the altar. And the very last day that we had a formal service together, I'll never forget, someone stood in front of all these students, 1,500 Gen Z students in the room, and said, you will not be the generation defined by depression, anxiety, addiction, and suicidal ideation. And to hear a cry come up from that group, someone said, if we had the spiritual eyes to see it, we would have seen an altar filled with loosened chains. That's my heart. That is the heart of the people around me, that this is a burdened generation, but God wants to use them, and we need to invest in them. What happened on February 8th was only the catalyst for what's truly happening and what's going to happen, and that was only the beginning. Wendy Griffith, CBN News, Wilmore, Kentucky. So encouraging. Anyone else encouraged? Very encouraged. Oh my goodness, yes. I this love is the declaration about what the generation can be known oh, for. That was huge. Not anxiety, not depression, not all the stats that you hear about this troubled generation, yeah. but that this generation would be known for revival. It's a big for a deal. great awakening. Yeah, and the fact that a year later, because you know, you if you grew up in a Christian home, you went to like a Christian camp. You know, something they warned against all the time when you were there was, hey, don't let this weekend feeling fade away. Don't let it just be a feeling. Let it be a change right. in your life. A year later, after this thing, it wasn't just this. You, you can now tell it was not just an emotional revival. It was a literal Holy Spirit revival because a year later, people are sustained. And the president said, looking for long term steps to be discipled. I love this story. That's true revival. That's true revival. True revival. Okay, guys, um, you know what? I'm going to give it to you right now. A couple of things. One, let me give you, let me break them up. One is we will play this again in the showcast for sure. Out of the shoot, get our showcast, pass it around. There's people at your church that want to know what's going on there. Forward this to your small group, pass it around. I mean, share with people. This stuff is encouraging. So here's how you get our showcast. If you've never done it yet, text the word show to our number here. Right, Allie? Yes, show to 312-274-9624. Show to 312-274-9624. Yeah, people are saying link. They, they got it to us before we could say that. Text show to our number and grab it and spread it around. And we'll put this little Asbury update right at the front end. Again, show to 312-274-9624. And did you know that the engine room for this whole thing called Asbury was prayer? So we're going to invite you into the engine room coming up. Everybody loves to go to an engine room. Come on. You're going to love it. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, when I went on a cruise uh, that my 
son-in-law and daughter took us on. That's kind of a cool thing, isn't it? They also popped for a birthday gift for me on the cruise. What, what was Very the gift? Nice. And the gift was to go on the captain's tour of the ship. <gasps> oh, that's fun. That was Sweet real. deal. For a guy like me? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Say that. Are you kidding me? You get a hat? <laughs> no, I didn't get a hat. <laughs> the captain's but tour, It was the captain's huh? tour. And let me tell you something. We got down into the engine room. I mean, where everything happens. And to see, and I had questions galore. Oh, I'm sure there you There were did. about 20 people on this tour. And when we got into that engine room... I was going for it. Katie man. Burr, the door. I was How many going questions for it. do you think you asked? <laughs> Probably 10. I love it. And I just fired so them. Great. But these guys were fired up. Oh, sure. Because well. they loved it. <laughs> Someone's interested in what we do. Listen to me. The engine room of the church, the engine room of revival, the engine room of awakening is prayer. And I, I know it's easy because Satan wants to. It's like screw tape letters, man. If he's plotting this morning, he's like, do everything we can to dilute in their minds the power of prayer. But boss, we've been working on this forever. Stay after it. Trust me, it's working. Look at those Americans. They're trusting the American dream more than the power of prayer. You see ouch, that? Ouch, ouch. So we've got, we listen, prayer is the engine room of all change. And we're inviting you into something radical because in like three weeks, we're going to try to raise um, $1.5 million in Chicago to keep the gospel cooking. And you know what I know? Every year when it comes to this time, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to happen. That's a lot of moolah. It's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> Allie, okay. That threw me off. <laughs> a little moolah. It's a lot of moolah. And we need you praying. And we're going to do something really cool this year. We're going to start sending some updates. And you know what? We might get a couple prayer warriors that do a little video with us on this thing. We're going to put the mustard to it. You become part of this engine room of prayer, and we're going to put some mustard to this bad boy. So I'm inviting you in right now. How in the world do they get into the engine room of prayer for share? Well, we're asking you, can you set aside 30 minutes of focused prayer? We'll give you some prayer prompts, some encouragement, some support with that. But you pray uh, at your convenience during this 30 minutes, wherever you are. You're in your car. You want to take a prayer walk. All we're asking is for 30 minutes of your time. If you can be a part of this, if you can be in the engine room for 30 minutes, just text the word CREW to 312 274 9624 crew to 312 274 9624. Come on into the engine room. The tour is great. And that's where all the power I is. I love that. Oh, quick note. So I'm down there in the engine room. We're talking to all these engineers that run the whole thing. And it was a crack up because they're saying the captain thinks he runs this ship. We run the ship. <laughs> <laughs> so true. They do. <laughs> I love right. it. Well, you know, I think about the story of Charles Spurgeon when he would preach his sermons in the basement underneath where the where the sanctuary was. He had a group of people praying while he was preaching. And you know why he did that? Because he knew he wasn't the one running the, the sermon. Well, he had also toured to see someone called the Prince of Preachers and he, he what the history behind that. And C.H. Spurgeon in Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, mega church, on fire for the Lord. I got to say this. One day a tour group was over there, and a guy said, you want to see where the real power is? Oh. 
this guy took him down underneath, and there were people praying underneath the whole pulpit area, just lined out praying. Wow. You know who took him on the tour? C.H. Spurgeon. What? I love it. And they didn't know it. (laughs) That's so good. They didn't have Facebook back then. No. It's not like, oh, that's C.H. (laughs) I saw him on Google. I know that's his face. Selfie. Hang on. Coming up after news. Do you hate enough? I don't think you do. More hate on Carl and Crew Mornings? Uh, Is that really what we need? (laughs) Hang on. Don't just keep it to yourself. Give what you've heard to a friend with the Carl and Crew Showcast. Just go to carlandcrew.org. I got a shameless plug here for something that really is important. We're going to be having cheer here. What, three weeks from today? Three weeks from today. Three weeks. Is, yeah. Or four weeks from today. Three weeks? Three. Four weeks. Three. three weeks from today. We need prayers. We have seen God do amazing things to leverage resources here, but it's always through prayer, Allie. And so we are asking you to be a part of our prayer crew here. Uh, We've done this a couple years. We ask you to commit to a half-hour time slot where you pray wherever you are. You don't have to come to campus. If you can do that, just get the link, get signed up for whatever slot works for you. Text the word CREW to 312-274-9624, C-R-E-W to be a part of our prayer crew for share 312-274-9624 just text the word crew also want to let you know that this asbury piece by cbn we are going to have that at the front end of our podcast that we call our showcast okay we're going to have it at the front end so you if you subscribe to it which thousands many thousands of you do great if you haven't gotten it yet or You neglected to click on it last time you got it. No problem. Text the word show to our number here, show to 312-274-9624. And thank you for you prayers that are coming in right now. This is tremendous. But text the word show to 312-274 and we'll get you all hooked up. Okay, coming up, we got a lot going on. We're talking core training today. Get ready to go. We're not, uh, Richard Simmons came to mind, but we can do better than that. I promise you. We can do much better. Get a swig of water. We can do much better than that. Hang on. No energy? No problem. We have all the energy you need and more. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Okay, uh, guys, we're talking core training. You got some core training music for me, man. I need some core training music here. Oh, that's perfect. That's That's classic. I don't think there's anything better to do. Soft special in Philadelphia. To this day, people go there, and what do they do? Do they go, run up those run stairs? Run the steps. Put the steps. Their hands in the air. Go and see they, the Rocky they statue. They try to run it because he never took one stair at a time. He always took a bit off two or three oh, of yeah. those things. And so they try to run with the same. It's hilarious, man. Oh, yeah. I'd do it. It's if I'm there, a, I'm going to run up the stairs. That would be really epic, actually. Yeah. Well, we're talking core training this week, guys, and uh, there's three distinct moves that we're called to make. It mirrors beautifully Paul's writing. Sometimes there's things that we take off. If we look at Titus 2, verse 11 and 12, boy, do we love this. For the grace of God has appeared. Now, his grace, by the way, let's just underscore this. If you want to pass a test in seminary, it's the unmerited favor of God. But if you really want to understand that favor of God that's unmerited, it's God's power to do in us what we can't do in ourselves. 
So for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, comma, verse 12, training us, training us. So the question is, do you have a personal spiritual trainer? You do. It's the grace of God. He's your personal spiritual trainer, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Now, we're going to go into the balance of this. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about living self-controlled, upright, godly lives. And then Thursday, we're going to talk about this posture of waiting for our blessed hope. This is really cool. Three movements that are powerful here. But if you look at the renouncing of ungodliness and worldly passions, you've got to ask, what's going on here? Well, let me define renounce for you. It's to say no to. Just as simple as that. It's to say no to. And we've all had times in our life when we feel like, man, I I need to say no to something, right? Sure. So what are we saying no to? Ungodliness, that is anything that runs counter to God. I had a guy um, I was riding with the other day, and he just said, you know what? I'm going to start saying no to be to being a man with with coarse jesting. I just I don't want to do that. He wants to renounce that. Yeah. And that's a great thing. Now the spirit of God will bring to our mind things that we need to renounce and say no to, but ungodliness is one that th- anything that runs counter to to God. And then worldly passions a little bit different. You could best translate this into lusts of the world. Those things that start to become cravings inside of us that we know run counter to God. And they're great. Well, coming up here in a moment, I've got a quote. And this, I look at God's providence now and I see it all over the place. These providential little things that happen. And I got an early morning text from a Jit Christopher my right-hand man at 180 Chicago Church. And I was just blown away. I'm like, God, he didn't even know where we're going here this morning. He had no clue. And yet, here you are again, showing yourself mighty. Training, renouncing, saying no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Man, what a great exercise. Your spiritual pit stop to keep you going in the race. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Okay, we're busting into three intense days here in spiritual training. It comes right out of Titus 2, 11 and 12. Training yourself to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And renounce is a strong word. Yeah, I'm just looking this up in Merriam-Webster. To give up, refuse, or resign, usually by formal declaration. And then this other one I really like, to refuse to follow, obey, or recognize any further. Yeah, and I think it's illustrated by other Greek words. It's the only time this word is used in the New Testament precisely, but there's words that are very similar. And the one that is most similar to it is, get this, he who denies me before men, I will deny before my heavenly Father. So think about that, the strength of denial of Christ. And that's what Peter did for a time. It's the unwillingness to proclaim that Christ, denying his deity, his, that salvation is from him. That's the same word, a very similar word that's used for renouncing. 
In the same way that someone would deny Christ, so we're called to deny ungodliness and worldly passions. And ungodliness is anything that runs counter to God. Just that, ungodliness. Anything that runs counter to God, we need to just say, I'm renouncing it. But i got to give you something cool here. So I get up this morning, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Ajit Christopher, my right-hand man at 180 Chicago Church, he, he just had this. And he sent it because I'm writing a new book called Killing Sin, mm-hmm. and I'm fired up. Spent the whole weekend working on this thing, man. Just fired up. But one of the tenets of, of killing sin in our life is that we've got to hate it. And one of my huge discoveries is that we often don't kill sin because we haven't gotten a boiling hatred for it enough in our heart. We try to manage it. We don't like it. But what if I told you biblically, you're called to hate it. Did you know hate's a virtue? Hating is a virtue. God hates things. So this is what what he sent me this morning. Thomas Watson, The Doctrine of Repentance. This is a quote from it. Listen to this. It's kind of old English here. A true penitent is a sin loather. If a man loathes that which makes his stomach sick, much more will he loathe that which makes his soul sick. It is greater to loathe sin than to leave it. That's what this word renounce is talking about. Greater to loathe it than to leave it. it. So he's doing a play on words here. He's saying you're better off rather than walking away from hate it. Yeah. Have you ever had, have you ever left something that maybe wasn't the greatest for you? And as you kind of got away from it and over time, maybe you looked back and you might've had some slight fond memories of that time, even though you know, it wasn't good for you. Right. I think that that's what he means when he says loathe it instead of leave it. Cause if you leave it, but you don't loathe it, you end up crawling back eventually. Totally young thunder. So he goes on to say this, the nauseating and loathing of sin argues a detestation of it. Final sentence. Christ is never loved until sin is loathed. Ooh. That's powerful. Ooh, say that. That's a really say that good. one more time. Christ is never loved until sin is loathed. That's powerhouse, that baby. Is a wow. solid line in the sand. <laughs> you cannot cannot work around it, man. And what do we find? Renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Wow. So does that mean that you need to loathe to hate? I, I to hate the worldly passions and ungodliness. Scripture interprets scripture. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And I even wrote this in seven resolutions. It's not my discovery. Got it from a commentary. But you can't cling to what is good until you hate what is evil. One goes before the other. Until we hate what is evil, how in the world can we cling to what is good? Biblically, can't happen. So core training today, guys, think about this. Right now, boom crew, think about this. Are you ready? Come on, let's do some reps on this. Let's get some reps in. Just like we're laying down, got the mat underneath your back, and you're pulling off some crunches. Is it easy? 
No. Crunches are hard. Are they are they fun to do? Uh, you might get a rush after you're trained in it a while, but that's the point. You got to get trained in it a while. So how about the full renunciation of what is ungodly and worldly passions that crop up inside you? What a phenomenal tenant of the faith. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. I don't know that we hate enough. I don't think we do. Because the, the thing about sin is that the, if there wasn't an element of pleasure to it, at least on the front end, we wouldn't go back to it. If it didn't bring some sort of moment of satisfaction or pleasure. Yeah. It was, I mean, there's a reason why people have to be told to eat vegetables, but a bag of chips, it seems like you can't get your hand out of the bag. There's there's something pleasurable there, even when you know it's ultimately killing you. Absolutely. Somebody made a comment here, and I'm not going to call out the number. Good morning, Boom Crew. Love the show. I don't think Jesus is capable of hating anything. Hang on. I want to show you from Scripture that that's not accurate. As a matter of fact, after I give you this passage, you're going to go, oh, whoa, Jesus does hate stuff. Oh, he hates stuff big time. That's coming up. We love this song. Song. Absolutely. It's Garland Crew Mornings. Oh, we take your next step with Jesus. We're in a few days of core training here, and it comes right out of, in fact, I, we, I, I was talking with the team. I said, I want to do a week on core training. And then over the weekend, I'm like, all right, where are we going to go? And I thought, no, I didn't think. The Holy Spirit prompted me with Titus 2, 11 and 12. And I'm like, all right, let me go into the guts of that. And I'm like, yeah. There's three movements of core training that are just captured so beautifully here. We're tackling the first one, and it goes like this. Yeah, start with verse 11. This is Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. That's what we're focused on today. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So that word renounce is a strong word. Strong, isn't it? I renounce this. Whoa. Yeah, there's no one foot on this side, one foot on the other side. It is hard line. I am over here. It's renouncing. strong, isn't it, Super Dye? It's not lukewarm at all. No, it's like bang. Now, someone sent this in, and I and listen, I get it. We talk a lot about the love of Christ. But by the way, in mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis does an amazing job of explaining how God's hatred for sin is the thing that drove him to send his son to earth. Yes, he came to redeem, but to redeem from what? From evil, from sin. There had to have been a boiling hatred in heaven 
for God to send his son. Yeah. So we, as we started talking about renouncing uh, ungodliness, turning away from it, hating sin, we got someone who texted in and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure about this. I don't think Jesus is capable of hating anything. How is love capable of hate? And I'm glad that you texted this, whoever you are, because this is a very common uh, thought and then a little bit of a pushback. Well, what do you mean? God can't hate anything. Yeah. But look at what we find here in Proverbs 6, 16. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Whoa, detestable. It's a double down. Yeah. Ready for him? Here they are. Haughty eyes. The haughty eyes are, I got it going on. They don't. Oof. Coming out hot here, huh? A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. That isn't just murder. That's knocking someone down to get up the ladder. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush to evil. A false witness who pours out lies. A false witness. That betrayer, trust me, God doesn't dig it. That person that's saying bad stuff about you, God hates it. And this is kind of the universal roundhouse blow. A man who stirs up dissension among brothers. My friends, what you talk about in the lobby with friends after church, dissensions that are stirred toward the brothers and sisters in Christ, oh my goodness, that's some bad ground to stand on because God hates that ground, hates it. Does God hate stuff? Absolutely. If we look at Romans 12, 9 and 10, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is the call to the life of every Christian, that we are called to hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Why? Because that is the character of God, hating evil, clinging to good. Yeah, and I think this is a temptation. Got some feedback here from someone who said, thank you for backing up responses with the scripture. Well, we're always going to do that here. But they said what a lot of people feel, it's it's so easy to create a God of our own imagination and preferences. And this is where we've got to be careful. Why? Because if we dilute our need to hate what is evil, you know what we do? We make ourselves spiritually flabby. We're not training to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Yeah. We're going to get spiritually flabbo, and we don't want to do that. What a fun day. It's a great day. I mean, this is awesome. You know, I heard a, a message a couple weeks ago, a guest speaker at church, and he talked about, it was a, a, not this exactly, but coming up, I'll share an illustration that he gave that I thought was really helpful when it comes to kind of the old hate the, or love the sinner, hate the sin kind of thing. This helped me see it in a different way. That's good. This is Riley Clemens right here. Love by you. You are loved by God renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. You know, you've heard the old common phrase, love the sinner, 
but hate the sin. Yeah. I think that's become almost trite to people and you kind of lose the meaning of it. We had someone push back a little bit this morning and go, what do you mean What do you mean? God hates stuff? God doesn't really hate stuff. Hopefully we made the case for you biblically looking at scripture. I heard a, a pastor share a couple weeks ago. He He talked about having a loved one struggle with cancer. Anybody who's ever been through a cancer struggle, you get to the point, he said, where you start to hate cancer with every fiber of your being as you watch that horrible disease take from you the person that you love. You start to see what it does to their body. You start to see what it does to everything that you love about that person. You hate cancer. He said, but there's never a part of you as you watch your per- this person suffer through this. There's never a part of you that hates that person. No, you actually love them more. You love them more. That's exactly what he said. But the hatred that you develop for the disease that's destroying them. It's a great analogy. Is strong. It's visceral. You would do anything that you possibly could to eradicate it. Yeah, I mean, when we look at sexuality run amok, whether it's uh, Romans 1, where we see God gives them over to their lusts, men exchange natural relations, women exchange natural relations. You go to 1 Corinthians 6, such were some of you, it even mentions homosexuality in there. And the tendency is to hate uh, perverted grace, is what Jude calls it. But we begin to almost then dislike the carrier rather than love the carrier. And what you've just illustrated is a powerful thing. I love that analogy. Yeah. Hating that cancer that's ravaging this one you love actually makes you love that person more. Because you want to see them set free yeah. from the thing that's killing them. Absolutely. And I don't think we're, it, we're not talking about walking around just hating people like you, like you're talking about here, Allie. I mean, I think about, I was reading in Ezekiel uh, a couple weeks ago and it really hit me hard. Even when God's talking about punishing those who are unrighteous, he says, do you think that I want to do this? Do you think that it gives me joy to, to punish? He says, it doesn't. I do this with the, with the idea of bringing people back to me, bringing people closer to me. But the actions of sin are things that God did not create. They are, they are the definition of the absence of God. They, they are the definition of God not being there. And so when those things come up, when those things are present, it is biblical to hate them because God is not present within them. Yeah. I mean, if you can't, somebody's saying, well, I look at the broader context of scripture and uh, listen The context of scripture is that there's things that God hates, which only proves the depth of his love. And by the way, how great a love that God has for us, that he hates the sin that has us bound up or ungodliness or worldly passions, but he loves us. Yes. Wow. That he would weep over us as he rides into Jerusalem. Yeah. Because they were people with sheep without a shepherd. He, he weeps because he loves the people. And he Power. weeps because he hates the sin that has bondage over the yeah. people. And I, I, I really truly believe that one of the great maladies that we have in the church today, and I can say that by looking at my own life over the years, 
when I've really done business with God in an area that he wants me to do business, I get a boiling hatred for that thing that's standing in the way. A boiling hatred. You know what I've told some brothers lately? I use this a lot now. See, you got to get more hate for what's going on. I told the guy one day, I said, I want you to walk around your home, stomp your feet over this thing that's kicking your rear end. Get some hatred going. Get it going. Talk about conjuring up all kinds of things. Well, how about getting a belly full of hatred for that thing that's kicking your booty? Yeah. We had a, a boom crewer who called in a little while ago, kind of talking on this subject, and she shared, I had so much sin in my life, and I wasn't hating it enough. And so one day, I, I took things in my house, house and in a very biblical, healthy way, was breaking things in my house because of how angry I was over my sin, Yeah, how upset I was about my sin. It wasn't just blind anger. It was, I hate this. Focused. And it was focused, and it was biblical, and... I, I love that because we need to hate our sin. Somebody said, aren't we doing a good job punishing ourselves? You gotta, this is where you got to be biblical and you got to separate it out. You've got to say, I am absolutely secure and loved in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation. And actually because of that, we can boil even more heartily with the sin that enslaves us at times. Yeah. It actually elevates the love of God and our identity in Him. Powerful stuff. Where are you finding all this big hair stuff? This is uh, Sylvester Stallone's Over the Top, which is an arm wrestling movie. <laughs> Remember that when he was... No, I missed that one. This is the training montage song for his arm wrestling movie. I think I'm going to have to go all the way to glory without taking that one in. (laughs) It's a shame. I do love a good training montage. Well, this is it. Oh, man. Let's all do crunches together, Boom Crew. Come on. on. All right. Enough of that nonsense. We're talking core training here today. You are just a piece of work, I and I love you. I try my best you. for you. You are a piece of work, and Thanks, I love buddy. you, Young love you Thunder. Too. Piece of work. Goofy <laughs> kid. Comes up with this big hair stuff. Oh, yeah. Such an old soul. Old soul nothing, to be so young. Nothing better than a 70s and 80s montage. Nothing better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Listen, one of the core training modules that we find right here in Titus 2, 11 and 12. What's that little phrase, Allie? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Grace of God trains us to renounce. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. There are things that God hates. Hatred, boiling hatred creates a stronger love. The cancer analogy, I'll never forget and I'll use it a lot. Listen, my bride had cancer. God miraculously moved. But boy, did I hate that cancer. And you know what? When my wife was afflicted with it, my love for her even grew more. Mm. I didn't think it was possible. But it did. Because I hated that. Hatred is a virtue in the kingdom of God. I know some of you are going, It's like a disconnect. No, hate is a virtue and we don't do it enough. Listen to this by Thomas Watson from the Doctrine of Repentance. Listen to what he says. A true penitent is a sin loather. 
If a man loathes that which makes his stomach sick, much more will he loathe that which makes his soul sick. It is greater to loathe sin than to leave it. I love that. Let that sit in your mind and churn for a little bit. Greater to loathe sin than to leave it. Yeah. So, I mean, what's what's implied there is sometimes we leave sin. And then isn't that funny how it just comes back into our life? I can't tell you the amount of times I've left sin in my life. And I also can't tell you how many times I've gone back to it. Probably the same number I've left it because it's like I wasn't loving it. It's like the tide, it just rolls. Yeah, right it's like, in. oh, wow. Amen. Must be six hours later. Yeah, that's right. Here comes the tide the other way. All right, it goes on. The nauseating and loathing of sin argues a detestation of it. Here's the roundhouse sentence right here. Christ is never loved. Until sin is loathed. That's biblical. Christ is never loved until sin is loathed. Is that epic? It It is epic. I wrote it down because it's, it's so good. And when you think about renouncing, being trained by the grace of God to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, it's with that in mind that you hate what it's doing to you. You hate ungodliness. You hate worldly passions because you love Christ. I mean, let's... Taking a look at sin and the need to go back to sin is a form of idolatry, would we say? Yeah. So can I love my spouse if I commit, if I continue to commit adultery and she knows and she says, you continue to do this. And I say, but honey, I love you. And she says, will you stop doing this? And I say, well, no, I, I don't, I don't hate that, but I do love you. How, how could I love my wife if that was a life I was living. Yeah. I mean, if, and you know, I, here's what I know in an audience this size right now, listening, there's someone pediddling on his wife. And here's what I'm going to tell you until your hatred for pediddling gets full throated, foot stomping, angry, not at you, but the sin that is governing you. You will only love yourself. But God can change it right now. What a topic today. This is good. Hey, this is Carl with Carl and Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this show cast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.